There's four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, that all speak about Jesus' earthly ministry, that tell the story of when Jesus was on the earth in his physical body. And we're going to look into John chapter 7. Now, I've got to be honest with you. It's okay if I'm honest, is it? You know, I'm, I'm being honest. This is not the word I'd prepared for you. And that really annoys me. Those of you who are preachers here or leading groups or leading anything will know that you prepare well in advance. I actually prepared several weeks ago knowing that I had a holiday, like the week before last, knowing that this was a very busy week. I prepared a word for you. It was all there. It says Sheffield on the top. It's all done and dusted. It was filed away. And I got it out this week. I polished it off. I thought, yeah, this is right. I woke up this morning and... And don't pray in the morning. I think that's the key. I woke up this morning and I felt God say something different. And so I go out for a walk this morning, as I always do, go out for a walk every morning if I can, and walk and pray. That's how I like to meet the Lord. And I felt the Lord then suddenly start to unfold some stuff to me for you. Now, this won't be new for you. Many of you will have heard these things before, but I pray to God that it will come with a degree of prophetic insight and prophetic application to you, because I believe it's what the Lord is saying to you. And it's from these verses in John chapter 7, and it's Jesus speaking, or rather it's John commenting on Jesus speaking, about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And I believe we've heard a lot this morning, we heard a lot yesterday as leaders, about the Spirit of God coming on us. Someone was praying earlier about us being flooded with the Spirit. We've had various prophecies. We've had various words that have come to us. And I want to underline some of this by speaking on the Holy Spirit coming to you and how you can be a people of the Spirit. So let's read this. It's in John chapter 7, and this is verse 37. And I'm just going to read a few verses down to verse 39. Have you all got it? Okay, and then we'll tell the story of this, and I might even act a little bit out. You'll you'll spun out in a minute what's going to happen. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and in a loud voice said, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that point, up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. The wonderful news is Jesus has now been glorified, and the Spirit has been given. And we're going to find out from these verses how you can be a man, a woman, a girl or a boy of the Spirit. You can personally receive the Spirit and you can be caught up in God's plan and purpose to flood Sheffield with His Spirit. Is that a good thing? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these great congregations in the north and in the central. We thank you for what you're doing in City Church, Sheffield. We thank you, Lord, for this great eldership team you've pulled together. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for great leaders here in this church. We thank you for a great church that's being built to your praise and to your glory. And now we ask you, Lord Jesus, you who are glorified, 
you who we've been worshipping and praying and singing to and talking to all afternoon. We pray, Lord Jesus, pour out your spirit upon us. We ask you, come Lord and meet us today. Let the result of this meeting not be just entertainment or just interest, or information, or another set of notes, but let it be revelation, and let the Spirit pour out upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. It's talking here, it says, on the last and greatest day of the feast, it was holiday time. Do you like holiday time? I like holiday time, Anne and I have just been away for a week in uh, Scotland. We've loved it, seeing the mountains. As someone was prophesying earlier, they were glorious. But it's holiday time, a little bit like a Christmas or an Easter holiday. It was a religious holiday time for the people of Israel at this time. And it was a particular one called the Feast of the Tabernacles. And what they would do on the Feast of the Tabernacles, and this would be really fun, kids, you imagine this happening today. We take a week off school. Pretty cool. Pretty good. And what, what we would do is we would go and live on the roof. That's weird, isn't it? But they didn't have pointy roofs like we do today. They had flat roofs and they could go and walk on the roof. That's a bit strange, isn't it? But just imagine you had a big flat roof you had some stairs going up to it, and you could go, and they lived on the roof for a whole week. And what they did was they built themselves a tent, a little bit like we do at North, except they didn't build it of canvas, they built it of palm branches and leaves. It's great, isn't it? Go out to the woods, get some sticks, get some leaves, build yourself a tent, and live in that tent for a week. You might think that's a bit balmy. You might think it's a bit odd. But what they were doing is this. They were celebrating that actually God had given them the land. That they were a nomadic people. That they used to be a people who wandered in the desert. And actually out of God's grace and God's mercy and God's goodness, he had given them the land. And so therefore they deliberately lifted a tent to kind of remind themselves how good it was to have the land. Those of us who go to North Bible Weekend, we come home and remember how good it is to live in a house. And that's what they were doing. And they would remember two different things. They would remember that they were a pilgrim people, but they would also remember that actually God gave them provision in the desert specifically water. Now, water's really easy for us to find, especially if you now live like we do in Manchester. But water is very easy to find for us. We've got great lakes, great rivers, great reservoirs. You turn on your tap, and out of your tap comes lovely, clean... What is your water authority here? Yorkshire. Yorkshire water. Um, that's the same as we had at yeah, Teesside. You turned on, and lovely Yorkshire water comes out beautifully pure and beautifully clean. But it wasn't like that for the first century or the uh, events leading up to the first century in biblical times. Obviously, they had no water purification in the same way that we do. They were solely dependent 
on God sending the rains. And therefore they would ask God in a dry and desert time, God, would you send the rains? And they'd remember the time when they were in the desert, they would remember a time when they were really thirsty, when they were really parched, when they hadn't had water to drink for ages, and God said to Moses, if you speak to this rock, water will come forth. And Moses spoke, and a great waterfall gushed forth for them to drink. They remembered those kind of events. But they also looked forward. See, they were a people who had lots of prophetic promises, just as we are today. And they were a people who treasured their prophetic promises, just as we should treasure our prophetic promises. And one of their great prophetic promises was this. It was in one of their holy books, in what we would call the Old Testament, in which they would call the Scriptures. And in that holy book, the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel was one of those weird prophets who had some weird dreams and some unusual visions. And one of the weird dreams and unusual visions that Ezekiel had was of the temple and of the temple steps, a little bit like these steps here, and from the temple steps flowing a river. Now, if there was a river flowing from these steps, we'd be slightly worried. We'd be getting on to Dave and saying, Dave, there's something wrong with the plumbing here. There's something, could you help us with the, the surveying? There's something wrong. But Ezekiel saw this river coming out of the temple and flowing down the temple steps. And you probably remember the story. At first it was ankle deep. Then it was knee deep. Then it was thigh deep. Then there was waters to swim in. And it said it was teeming with life. And it actually speaks of new birth, new life, wonderful things happening. And it was a picture, it was a prophetic promise of the Holy Spirit coming to Israel and pouring out blessing. That's what Ezekiel's prophecy, his dream, his vision is all about. And what would happen is this. During this week off from school, thumbs up, during living in the tents for a week, every day, as many people who were in Jerusalem as possible would gather to watch a very significant ceremony. They'd gather to watch this amazing event. The high priest, pretend for one moment I'm the high priest, would take a golden pitcher, pretend for one moment, this is a golden pitcher, not a glass jug, but a golden jug, and he would march down from the temple steps, just like this, and he would go right down to the bottom of the temple steps, to the pool of Siloam, which is a famous pool at the bottom of the steps. He'd draw up the water, and he'd sing a series of prophetic psalms and songs from the prophets. One of them was this. With joy, I draw water from the well of salvation, or something to that end. And he would do that. He'd draw water up, and he'd march right up to the top of the steps, Sounds a bit like the grand old Duke of York, doesn't he? He marched right up to the top of the steps, and don't worry, those of you who are involved with the PA, I won't do this, because I know that, I don't know oil and water mix, but electricity and water doesn't mix. What he would do, he would pour out the jug of water that he just collected from the pool of Siloam. He'd pour it out down the temple steps as a prophetic 
reenactment of Ezekiel's vision. And he'd do it every day for six days. Day after day after day, people would come from far and wide just to watch water being poured out down the steps. It was a prophetic act, believing that one day God himself would pour living water out. Now, there was a most important day of the feast. It happened to be the last day, and on the last day, the priest would go through the action again. He'd march down the steps. He'd go to the pool of Siloam. He'd pick up his water with joy. I draw water from the well of salvation. He'd march right up to the top of the steps. And on the last and greatest day of the feast, he would just pause. He wouldn't actually pour out the water. And it was one of those holy moments. Do you know one of those poignant moments? Here's a poignant moment. It's a moment when you don't cough. It's a moment when you're very quiet. And it's this. Does anyone here know of any legal impediment why this man and this woman shouldn't be joined in holy matrimony? And you don't go... (laughs) At that point, you go... It's quiet. It's silent. And on the last, and on the late, on the last, on the greatest day of the feast, just as he would pour out that water, just as he would hold it back, the reason he held it back was perhaps today God would do it. Perhaps today he wouldn't need to prophetically enact it. Perhaps today God would actually pour out living water down from the temple steps. And in the quietness, a northern voice is heard. Don't you love a northern voice? (laughs) A northern voice is heard loud. And Jesus, the prophet from Galilee, prophet from Nazareth, Jesus spoils the whole ceremony. He stands up and in a loud voice says this, if you're thinking about water, yes, the whole thing's about water, if anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. And from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. That's the context of this passage. Doesn't it come alive when you know the context? Now let's just get some principles from it. Then we're going to be praying for you today to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. Number one, if anyone is thirsty. That's what he said. He said, if you're thirsty, I want to ask you, City Church, Sheffield, North Congregation and Central Congregation, are you thirsty for the Spirit? Are you thirsty for more of Him? I was talking to the leaders yesterday, and we were saying that one of the principles of moving in spiritual gifts is to have a great desire in your heart. Paul says, earnestly, eagerly, burn with desire for spiritual gifts. And if you go... Well, you pray for me if you like. Do you know what will happen? Nothing. Because there's no desire. There's no earnestness. I loved it what John Creasy prophesied this morning. What do you want God to do for you? Oh, I think I quite like a comfortable life, a satellite TV, a, a nice car. No. No, what do you want God to do for you? If God showed up today and said, ask of me anything, what do you want? I know what I'd say. More of you, Lord. More of your spirit, Lord. It's ever so important that we ask him. There's this amazing verse in Revelation at the end of the Bible. 
It says this, the Revelation 22, verse 17. Let me just kind of summarize it for you. The Spirit and the Bride say, whoever is thirsty, let him come and take the free gift of the water of life. If you're thirsty, are you thirsty for him today? Are you thirsty for the Spirit to come and fill you? Are you thirsty for Jesus? Are you thirsty for more of him? Because if you are, you are in a great place to receive more from God today. Secondly, Jesus says this, come to me. It's interesting, isn't it? He doesn't say, go to a religious meeting. He doesn't say, seek out Arnold Bell. He doesn't say, go to a convention. And none of these things are wrong, especially Arnold Bell. (laughs) But he doesn't say, come to us. He says, come to him. And sometimes we get confused. We think it's the man of authority at the front of the meeting who's dishing out power. Now, actually, it's Jesus who's the Lord of glory, who's ascended on high, who pours out his Holy Spirit. Now, he tells us to lay hands on people, and that's how he does it. But we don't give you anything. It's the Spirit of Christ who is poured out from Jesus who comes and fills you. I love what Mark brought earlier. As the sun shone in here, and Rabina, you were absolutely right. Rabina said, I've been telling Arnold for ages. In the afternoon, the sun streams through the beautiful stained glass windows here. Wouldn't it be great to meet in the afternoon? And uh, there you go, we're meeting in the afternoon. The sun's almost gone, but it was beautiful, wasn't it? As it was streaming through. And as Mark, I thought, so helpfully and prophetically highlighted this baptistry here, and as that shaft of light shone down upon this baptistry, Mark said, come on, some of you need to get baptised. And actually, then he said, more importantly, some of you need to get baptised in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, which I went, yes, that's exactly what I wanted to speak on. So it's kind of encouraging to me. But he wants, Jesus wants to fill you. It's a shaft from heaven. It's a light from Christ. It's not us getting our torches out. No, he comes and fills you with the Spirit. And when Jesus was baptised, as Mark was so rightly saying, when Jesus was baptised, John, his cousin, said this, Jesus, he said, I baptise you with water, but the one who's coming after me, him, him, Jesus, he is going to baptise you, fill you, soak you, dunk you, immerse you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the one who'll fill you this afternoon with the Holy Spirit. And then thirdly, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me. And then what does it say? Drink. Now, Arnold tells me off for this. And I can assure you, Arnold, this is not just an elaborate way of me having a drink, although that is good. Arnold says a good preacher, the the salivation should just come naturally. But I find I need a drink as I preach. Hence, I'm not a good preacher, but uh, we'll, we'll accept that. See, drinking isn't that hard. Who can drink here? Can you drink, Ellie? Is, is it, did, did, did mummy and daddy have to take you aside one day and say, now, Ellie, we want to show you how to drink? Did they ever have to do that? No. Why? Because it's really easy, isn't it? Anyone can drink. Even little babies manage to drink. I mean, they might dribble it all down their front, but they drink. Drinking, when Jesus used this analogy... He was using it to help us to understand 
But it's not difficult to receive the Spirit. Look, it's as difficult as this. That was hard. That was easy. And some people say this, I don't know how to receive the Spirit. Yes, you do, just like you received Christ, by faith. See, there was a day when I was eight years old. Who's eight years old here? Hey, I was eight years old, right? Two, three hands up. I was eight years old. Wait, well done. And there was a day when I was eight years old and somebody in a tent, because we went to like a, like a North Bible week, and somebody in a tent told me about Jesus and that Jesus could wipe away all the wrong things that I'd done. And do you know what? At eight years old, actually, there was quite a lot of them. I was an arrogant little brat. <laughs> and I heard that Jesus could forgive me and could wipe away all that and I could have a relationship with him and go on to an eternity to love him forever. I thought, good deal. So I went forward at eight years old and it was really easy to become a Christian. If you're not a Christian here this morning, why not? Well, this afternoon, why not? It's really easy. It's not hard. In fact, Jesus said, you've got to become like a little child in order to enter the kingdom. It's us adults that make it difficult and cerebral and complicated. It's just easy. Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. Thank you, you died on a cross for me. I receive your forgiveness. I think it was Luther said, with hands of faith, we receive Christ. And Jesus said, it's like the same with the Spirit. You receive the Spirit. Let me give you some verses. Galatians 3, verse 2. Paul is saying here, did you receive the Spirit by works of law or by believing what you heard? How did you receive the Spirit? By believing what you heard. Say, yes, I believe it. I drink in the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, verse 13. Having believed, you were marked with the promised Holy Spirit. How did you get the promised Holy Spirit? Having believed. You believed, you received. Now, I love to tell this story. And uh, who here has got a rich Auntie Ethel? Anyone? I, I always ask this, and no one's ever had a rich Auntie Ethel. One day, one, somebody will do. Okay, j- just imagine. I want you to use your imagination. Who's 60 today? Well, you don't look it. Congratulations. Imagine it's your birthday, which is not that hard for you. <laughs> Imagine you've got a rich Auntie Ethel. You haven't, have you? No. One day I'll get a word of knowledge, right? <laughs> Imagine that it's your birthday, and rich Auntie Ethel always knows exactly what to buy you. In fact, money is no object because she's rich Auntie Ethel. And she always knows exactly. If you need that latest book, she gets it. If you need that latest computer technology, she gets it. If it's that latest gadget, or if it's that, whatever it is, latest piece of jewellery, or a latest piece of perfume, or whatever it is, rich Auntie Ethel just knows, and she always, on time, delivers this amazing gift on your birthday. I want you to imagine it's your birthday. I want you to imagine it's a day when the postman comes. I want you to imagine the anticipation. The doorbell rings. Ding dong. It's your birthday. 
And rich Auntie Ethel always comes up with an amazing present. You open the door. There's the postman. And in his hands, he's got this incredible gift just for you. You recognize rich Auntie Ethel's handwriting on it. You go, whoa, she's come up with the goods this year. It looks the right shape for what I want. It looks the right size. It kind of, uh, and what do you say to the postman? You don't say to him, I'll leave it out round the back with the wheelie bin. I'll pick it up later. You don't. You say, thank you. I'll receive that. I'll take it. Did you earn it? No. Did you plead with the postman? Please, Mr. Postman, I feel very worthy today. It's my birthday, you know. You just took what was rightfully sent for you. Listen, Jesus has rightfully sent forth the Holy Spirit for you. He knows what you need. It's got your name on it. And he, as a person, is coming to you for you to receive him into your life today. To say, Jesus, thank you. Jesus, by faith, I drink in the Holy Spirit. I receive the Spirit today. (coughs) And then Jesus said, something amazing is going to happen. And we're coming in for a landing now. Something amazing is going to happen. A miracle happens when you drink in the Spirit. And somebody was singing right from the back about drinking in the Spirit earlier. I could just about make out some of the words and some of the things that were being said. Something amazing happens when you drink in the Spirit. Now, the rabbis, that's the Jewish teachers, had a tradition, and that was this. Israel was the center of the world. Geographically, apparently it isn't, (laughs) but that was their tradition. Then they had a tradition that Jerusalem was the center of Israel. Geographically, it isn't, but that was their kind of tradition, religious center. And then they had this tradition that the temple, the house of God, was the center of Jerusalem. So the temple could be said to be the center of the center of the center. And they had a word for it, and it was the word kolios, which actually beautifully we get the English word colon from. (laughs) But it kind of means guts. It kind of means the center of the center, the innermost being, the very insides, the very center. Anne and I love to go to one of the Greek islands, and there's a bay right in the center of the island called Kolios Bay. It's the center of the island. And when Jesus said this, when Jesus said... If you're thirsty, come to me and drink. And from within will flow rivers of living water. Guess what? He uses the kolios word. He uses this word from your very being. Now, why does he use that word? He's contrasting you with the physical temple. He's saying, look, Ezekiel thought that the spirit would come literally from the temple. He would come down the temple steps. But I'm telling you, it's not about a physical temple anymore. It's about a spiritual temple. It's about living stones built together. And actually the Spirit comes and he fills and indwells and goes out from living temples. And that is you. Let me give you a verse for it. This is such a major part of New Testament apostolic doctrine. 1 Corinthians 3.16 
don't you know that you yourselves, and that's the northern yous, yous, you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you. This is a huge revelation for the Jews. They thought God lived in a physical temple, in a temple built with hands and bricks and mortar. But actually the writers of the New Testament and Jesus himself is predicting this, he's making way for it. Actually, it's about these temples. Us as the temple of God, us as the body, us as the people of God. We are now to be a people who receive the Spirit and the Spirit comes out from us. This is the amazing thing. Ginny was prophesying this morning, sorry, this afternoon, about God doing unpredictable things, God doing new things, and I wrote down a phrase that she used, God is going to pour out resources from us. How does God pour out resources from us? We drink in the Holy Spirit, and out from our innermost being, out from us, flows rivers of living water. When you go about your everyday life, tomorrow at the supermarket, tomorrow at school, tomorrow in the office, tomorrow in the factory, tomorrow in the university lecture hall, you are a carrier of the Spirit. You're a wonderful jug dispensing the Spirit. And today, God wants to fill you and fill you and fill you and fill you and fill you, oh dear, do you know what's going to happen? You're going to overflow, you see? It's so important that we understand that we come to this setting sometimes a bit empty, but what's going to happen is God's going to fill us up with the Spirit and fill us up with the Spirit and fill us up with the Spirit and fill us up with the Spirit. And then what happens is this, we go through life and suddenly we knock into a few people. Was that funny? <laughs> Life happens. I don't know you. <laughs> Worked a little bit on you. Life, life happens. We bump into people, and what comes out of us? Anger, bitterness, resentment? No. Do you know what? The Spirit of God comes out of us. Okay, do we believe in sprinkling or drenching? <laughs> The Spirit of God comes out of us in compassion, in love, in mercy, in grace, in words of knowledge. See, words of knowledge and healings are not just supposed to be for this meeting. They're supposed to be for life. You look at how they were used in the New Testament. Jesus at the well. Word of knowledge. She saved, the whole town saved. Peter and John, when they go to pray, they're on their way to a meeting, but they meet a lame man. Big issue, big issue, big issue. That's what he's doing. And they don't do the normal Christian thing. Well, actually they do. Hey, what is the normal Christian thing? <laughs> Haven't got any money on me. That's what they say. Silver and gold have we none. Sounds a bit uh, fancy, doesn't it? But such as we have, we give to you. Here's an invite to our next Alpha Helix. No, they don't. They say, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. 
and there's an instant miracle. I believe God wants to fill us and anoint us and impart to us more of his spirit so that as we live our lives in the communities, in the north, the east, the south, the west, and all the other points of the compass, we flood the streets with the spirit. We flood. This is God's end time prophetic purpose that the earth might be full of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. As what? As waters cover the sea. There's a flooding coming to Sheffield. There's a drenching coming to you. And it's about you being so filled with the Spirit that as you go through life, you're dispensing Spirit, life, blessing right across Sheffield. Do you believe that? Well, therefore, we need to be a people who drink. Therefore, we need to be a people who are thirsty, who come to Jesus and drink in his spirit so that we might be a people from our innermost being, from our koilioses, from our inner temples, might flow rivers of living water. Now, we're kind of out of time and we haven't got time to do the religious thing. You know the religious thing? It's get the band up, set the mood, do the lights, do it right. We're simply going to say, if you want more of the Spirit, if you want to say, today, I want to be full of the Holy Spirit, today, I want to receive more of the Spirit, then I would like you to come to the front, and I'd like you to be prayed for. And I haven't asked Arnold this, but is it okay? He says yes. If you're a, a core group leader, and you got obviously blessed yesterday, Jesus said, you give out because you've received. Freely you receive, therefore freely you give. So actually, you've received a lot, and you need to give a lot. You're dispensing the Spirit. You're pouring out the Spirit. You're coming to Jesus... And he is imparting his spirit. So if you're small group leaders, core group leaders, get it right, then you come as well and start to pray. And uh, I don't think we'll worry too much. Is that okay not to worry too much with band and music? Because I think some of our musicians want to be blessed and want to be a blessing as well. Kids, kids, can I have your attention? This is for you as well. I've seen children filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with power and filled with love for Jesus. So, Mum and Dad, it's your responsibility to see if your children want to get prayed for. Children, you must ask permission to get prayed for today. If you want to get prayed for, the same Holy Spirit wants to come and fill you as well.